0: junior high ministry podcast at Mariners Church for this and more content check us out online at marinerschurch.org slash Jhm I was never a huge fan of science anyone a big science fan all right so you guys love science all right I right, know these are the people that love science and that's cool I'm for that is anyone not like me is anyone like me not a science fan they do not like science all right and this is my brotherhood and my sisterhood right here like when have I ever I've never even though I probably could I've never dissected a rat here at junior high. I've never found a rat. I've never, I've never taken mealworms and played with them and then taken down data about them. I've never done any of those things. I've never measured the stars and all this science stuff. I've never done any of that stuff. And sometimes you think like, oh, you're never gonna use that stuff. But actually I ended up using a little bit of science stuff that I learned when I was in school, uh, in reference to a guy named Charles Darwin. Maybe you guys have heard of him, maybe you haven't. But he had a specific theory, okay? He had a theory that said uh, if a species uh, is put into like a new area or new surroundings, that it has to adapt. It has to evolve in order to survive. It has to adapt. That it can't keep doing the exact same thing over and over again. It has to change. And if it doesn't change, it won't survive. Like for instance... If I was to take a snow leopard, like a beautiful white snow leopard that loves to frolic in the snow and put them uh, in Drew's bathroom in London, uh, I have to assume that if that snow leopard doesn't adapt, it will die. Hopefully not just from the odor. But it would probably die in Drew's bathroom. If I was to take a koala bear... Which I'm a huge koala bear fan. I've always wanted to go to Australia and hold a koala bear. It's so cute, right? And I took a koala bear and I put it in uh, my beautiful fiance's uh, closet, which is gigantic, by the way. Uh, it wouldn't have any leaves to eat, it would have a bunch of clothes in there to eat. It would either have to learn to adapt to live off jeans and a hundred pairs of shoes or it would die okay so the koala has to learn to eat different stuff or it will die like in order to live you have to adapt okay so i know that might seem like a really uh difficult lesson for you to get but it's very very true as well it's very true and this is the thing you have got to stop talking i'm so sorry Okay, Uh, this is the thing, if you are just living your life uh, at school, and I remember when I was in school, you sometimes were made to feel that unless you adapted to everything that was around you, that you were not going to be able to survive. You know, when I was in school, I, I was not that cool of a kid, I actually was very short and I smelled weird because I didn't shower a lot because I didn't think I had to, but apparently I did. And I didn't have a ton of friends. But I looked at like this, the cool group of kids or like the jocks or like, you know, the band geeks. I said to myself, man, if, if I was more like them, I think I would be happier in school. I think I would survive better at school or, or, or you know, socially or in my neighborhood if I was less like me and more like them. Darwin said that there's that, that he sees a brokenness uh, in in people uh, and in animals and just in life, a brokenness, that his solution for brokenness was to adapt and change to be like someone else. Now, we as Christians agree with him to a point. We agree that there is a brokenness, that there is a brokenness in humanity. But instead of looking toward Jesus like we do as Christians, to be the solution for that brokenness, Darwin looks for us to fix it ourselves ourselves and to do all the work ourselves. When we look at Jesus and he's done all the work for us, he came before, uh, he lived on earth as one of us, he died, was put into a grave where he stayed dead for three days. And then three days later, he got up and walked out of that grave, ascended into heaven 40 days later. And that is the Jesus we put our faith into. Now Darwin says, in order to survive, you have to adapt. And I'm unwilling to believe that's true because I believe that my obedience to God supersedes my need to adapt uh, and be like the world around me. Now, I always feel like what I say and what I believe has to be rooted in truth. If if what you're saying and what you believe isn't rooted in truth, then you're just believing and perpetuating a bunch of lies, which is very, very bad. So, I look to the Bible to be my source of truth, and I feel it is the source of truth. So, I opened up the Bible and I decided to find something to validate what I was thinking, what I was feeling, as far as obedience being more important than adapting. Well, I was lucky. Because God actually speaks on this subject very clearly through the life of a guy named Daniel. It's in the Old Testament. Now, we're going to walk through this story together. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, which I encourage you to bring them with you every single week, we're in the Bible every week, I guarantee you. And if you don't have a Bible, I personally will give you one for free at the end of service. If you have your Bible, open up to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to start taking a look at verse number 4. Now, it starts off, a young man uh, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Well, that sounds like a job description to me. It sounds like we're opening up in verse number 4 where somebody is describing someone. Now, this is what's happening. The king at the time decided to wage war on this area called Judea and to take them over. Who's a big fan of war? Who plays Call of Duty? Anyone play Call of Duty in here? All right, so you get exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, you're excited about it. And you, so, boys, you will totally get this. Like, this is a season of war, and they're waging war, and they're taking over, and they have now a big group of people, and the king is saying, I want you to find someone like this who fulfills this job description. And we're gonna, we're gonna. uh, He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Like so, this this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna find a guy just like this, and we're gonna teach him all about our life and our culture, and we're gonna prepare them to eventually work with me. So we need someone to be the king. I need. uh, This is interactive, so I need someone. You're gonna be the king. Come on up here. I know. Yes, standing up there, king. Now I need someone to play, uh, I need three strong, handsome, w- without any physical defect, young men. You have no physical defect, you're good, you're good, you're, you're sort of handsome, you can come up here, uh, Let's we'll see, uh, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, uh, you, you seem like you could learn a few, no, 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 you're going to help, you're going to help, you're gonna, you'll survive, get over there, Lakers fan with a Hornets hat. And I need one more person, one more person, not you two, no, not you, not you, Ben, come on up here. Oh, yeah, Ben, Ben's here, man. This is, ooh, a gummy worm. I'll save that for later. Um, I know, gross, right? It was probably in someone's mouth. I'll still eat it. So this is the thing. This is the king, and he's saying, I want you to find me a, a couple guys who, who fulfill this job description. And he found them, all four of these guys, or, or just a, a small segment of the group that he recruited. Now, these are all young men. Uh, all Judean men, all men from this, this, uh, this, uh, this town and this, this city, this country that he uh, took over and conquered. So these basically are all kind of like slaves. I mean, they are slaves. Uh, they uh, are now picked to see if they have what it takes to learn uh, how to work in the king's uh, kingdom and how to do these things the king wants them to do. So we have all four of these guys. They're learning uh, in verse number five. It says, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So the king said, I don't want these guys to starve. I wanted to eat really good food. I wanted to eat it from my table. This is the king's stuff. The king has all the best stuff, right? So this is all the king's stuff. But there was a problem. See, Daniel was a Jew, So eating the meat from the king's table, drinking the wine from the king's table was not in line with what God was calling him to do. So at this moment, at the very beginning of Daniel, he has a choice in the kind of person he's going to be. Is he going to be the kind of person that adapts to everything that's around him, to what the king is saying, to what everyone else wants him to do, or is he going to be willing to be obedient to God no matter what? What do you guys think he did? Who thinks that he chose obedience to God? And, who, who, and be honest, be honest. Who thinks that he, it, it's so much easier just to say yes to the king. Who thinks he just took the easy way, just said yes to the king, it's not a big deal, it's just meat and wine and stuff. From the king. Who thinks he said yes and he just did it, decided to eat it? No one? Okay, well you're right. Let's see the next verse. Because this is what happened. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food or wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And there were uh, other men who worked with the king who weren't fans of Daniel. So Daniel, uh, you, Ben, are going to play Daniel. So come on over here, Daniel. Gosh, you're such a good guy. Now, this is the deal. Daniel committed himself to being obedient to God. Whatever God asked him to do, he would do. So let's give an example. Ben, uh, I'm going to play God, for instance, okay? Ben, I want you to kneel down. Good job, super obedient guy. Ben, I want you to lick your finger and put it in your ear. No, 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 you got to be obedient, Daniel. Daniel, you can do this. You can just do a little little lick. See, I just did it. Just just do a little one. Tiny one. It has to be teeny tiny. Go ahead, a little one. Put it in your ear. And there's obedience right there, folks. That's pretty good. This is the kind of guy God's looking for. Total obedience. Now, this is the thing. Daniel decided that he was not going to adapt to what the king asked him to do. And he went to one of the chief officials, one of the people who's in charge of him, so I need you to come over here. You're going to play the chief official because you like talking anyway, so this is going to give you a good chance to do it. So you're playing the chief official. So here we go. In the next verse, this is what it says. Uh, at the end of 10 days, they looked, oh, okay, okay, all right, I skipped a part. This is what happened. Stand up. This is what happened. Daniel went to the chief official and talked to him and explained to him. So you're explaining to the chief official, kind of explain to him. Explain to the chief official, listen, I don't want to eat this food. I don't want to eat, drink this wine. I have this better idea. I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to eat fruits and vegetables and water. Keep going, keep going, Daniel. Fruits and vegetables and water. I'm going to put them all in my mouth. I'm just going to shove my mouth full of vegetables and fruits. So shove your mouth full of stuff. I'm going to drink tons of water. I'm just going to water all. Oh, I'm drinking drinking water all the time. And this is what happened. The chief official was not too happy with this because it was different from what the king wanted. So look very unhappy. She's like, I'm very unhappy. Throw your arms in the air. I'm, a ser- I'm very angry about this. Now, this is what Daniel said, though. Daniel said this. He said, give me 10 days to prove That my obedience to God is more important and will garner more health and prosperity and wellness and wisdom and strength and power. All these things I will do more in 10 days by eating fruits and vegetables and water than these other guys will eating the meat and the stuff from the king's table. So this is what it says in verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, these four guys looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine, and they were to drink uh, they were to drink, and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge this is good stuff an understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So this is what happened, this is what happened. Daniel chose obedience, over adapting. And in return for that obedience, Even though this guy who's very angry, so look very angry, wanted him to do what the king wanted him to do, God blessed him because he chose obedience over adapting. Now, the story continues in this next verse. This is what it says. Uh, The king talked with them. So the king here sees all of this that is happening, sees the obedience of Daniel to his God, sees these other three guys who are following Daniel as a leader, And this is what he says. uh, The king talked with them and found none equal to Daniel and his three friends, whose names I won't pronounce. So they entered entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole, and so say, kingdom. It got cut off. So the king is looking at these guys. Now keep this in mind. The king is not a Christian. He does not believe in God. The king believes in these false gods who are pagan, uh, who are not real, who do not exist, uh, who do not promise and deliver on their promises. But he believes in all these things, mostly because these magicians and enchanters are convincing him of it. But he notices that there's something very different about Daniel and his friends. He gets really excited about that. He blesses those guys in a big way. Now, in the next verse... We start in chapter 6. So now we're jumping way ahead in the life of Daniel. A couple things have happened so far in the life of Daniel during this little time period that I just skipped over. He, uh, interpreted a ton of dreams for the king. Uh, he rose in authority uh, in the king's household, in the kingdom. Uh, he's actually like a really high-ranking guy now. So he went from being a slave who was going through the, the period of seeing if he had what it took to work in the kingdom to now in chapter 6, he's like one of the top guys in charge of the kingdom as a slave. Because that's how wise and and how smart and how intelligent he is. Because God has blessed him with all that because of his obedience. Now something sad has also happened. The king actually uh, died during this whole time. So king, I'm really sorry. Yep, perfect. All right, you're good there. Now a new king steps up to run the kingdom. I need a new king from this area right here. You will be the new king. Come on over here. You are now the king. This is really exciting. So get up here on stage. You're the king. Now, this is what's going on. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So, Daniel, you can go take a seat. Daniel, you're just living the dream right now. Your three buddies, they're off. They can go take a seat. They're off doing their own thing. You're just walking around. You see the body of the dead king, which probably would have been buried, but whatever. And you're just doing great stuff. Everyone is noticing the great stuff you're doing, especially the king. we should wave over to the king. Be like, what's up, king? Yeah, the king's pretty excited to see you too. Um, Relationship series, guys. We'll... All right, you're the king, all right? Take it easy. Gosh, take it easy. So the king sees all this, uh, and he, he's excited. Uh, he is distinguishing himself in verse number four. At this, the administrators and the satraps, t- uh, which satraps, you don't know what that is, and for the purpose of this message, you don't need to know what it is, but the word is satraps. The administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. In his conduct of government affairs... But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Okay, now this is the thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is this is this may seem softball, but this is this is big big ticket stuff. I want you to hear this. The king who does not believe in God, he is not a Christian. He's not praying to God. He's not following God. He's not following the dietary restrictions that Daniel followed. He's not worshiping or honoring God. He's worshiping and following these false gods all around him. But yet, because Daniel, as a Christian, decided to go through the route of obedience versus adapting, even the king in charge of the whole kingdom who does not follow God notices in Daniel that there is something special, that there is something different. I question myself sometimes as a Christian. Do the people around me and I get challenged on this a lot by Brittany do the people around me because you know, here, you know I, I work at a church, I'm on staff with the church, but do the people around me notice and see, even when they're not Christians, do they notice and see that there's something different about me because I choose to follow God in obedience versus adapting? Now, that's something I challenge myself in. And if you really think about it, if you sit there and think about it, you know, school and sports teams, and maybe if you have a little part-time job, or maybe in your neighborhood, or, the, you know, what you put on Facebook, or Instagram, or Twitter, or what you blog about, or what, you know, is the life you live outside of this room, is it so obvious to people, the way it was obvious to the king that Daniel was living for God, is it so obvious to your friends that you are also living for God in an undeniable, obedient way. You know, in verse number uh, five, this is what it says. Finally, these men uh, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this, this man, Daniel, unless it is something to do with the law of his God. So they knew that they couldn't find anything wrong with him. So they had to figure something out, something really mean and dark, but something to attack him and his... His following of God. So I need three guys. Okay, you're excited. Seifu, come on over here. I need one more. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Come on over here. Come over here. Seifu. All right, now this is what you guys are doing over here. You are conspiring. No, no, you're not friends with them. You're Daniel. These guys want to kill you. Go over there. Yeah, no, get over there. Get over there. Come over here, Daniel. So this is the deal. These three guys are conspiring. So look like you're conspiring. And they're conspiring against Daniel. They're safe, excited. They're, gonna, they, they're figuring out how they're going to kill him. This is what it says in the next verse. So these administrators and satraps, they're right here, went as a group to the king and said, so they're coming over to the king. Daniel's walking around. He's praying to God. Uh, actually, go over there by the stairs, okay, because this is going to work out. Go over there and, and start praying. They go over there to the king, and this is what they do. This is so good. May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown in the lion's den. So this is what they're doing. They look at the king and they decide, you know, what are we going to do to get Daniel? Oh, I know, I know. Daniel prays every day to God. He prays every day. Three times a day he prays to God. This is what we'll do. We'll go to the king and we'll start, we'll lure him through his arrogance and his pride and his vanity. And we'll tell him, no, no, no. King, you should be praised and prayed to as God. You, a human being, should be worshiped as a God. So let's, let's write it into law. And if anyone breaks it over the next 30 days, if anyone dishonors you by praying to anyone else but you, they should be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your uh, to issue the decree and put it into writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree into writing. And, and this is really what's happening here. When a king puts something into writing, when he said, all right, all right we're going to do this, we're going to make it law, There's no way to edit it or repeal it or take it away. Once he writes it into law, it's law, and that's it. There's no changing it. There's no loopholes. There's no lawyers. There's no appeals. There's no Supreme Court. There's no going to the principal's office and having your mom call to bail you out of trouble like my mom bailed me out a million times. There's none of that, okay? Once it's written into law, it's law, and that's it. So the next verse. Now then, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room. So go upstairs to your upper room, Daniel. Daniel, pay attention. Pay attention, Daniel. Go to your upper room. All right, go to your upper room. That's your upper room now. He went to his home, uh, to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. So the windows are open. This is Jerusalem. You can, we can all see you. Okay, good job. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Just as he had done before, then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asked, uh, God, uh, asking God for help. Okay, instance number two. Daniel here has a very difficult decision. Or maybe what we perceive as a very difficult decision. He in this moment has to decide is he going to continue to pray to God three times a day like he always has? Or is he going to adapt to what this king has decided? This king who he's friends with, by the way, to adapt to what this king has decided and written into law. Is he going to adapt and not pray to God instead to pray to him? Or is he going to continue to be obedient and follow God no matter what? He had this choice he had to make. Well, in the next verse, it kind of gives us a window to the choice he did make. Uh, When they said to the king, because they went back to him after seeing him pray, said to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah pays no attention to you, your majesty, or the decree you put into writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He, has determined, he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. So the king is very upset. So look very upset, king. Very upset. And, you're, and you're, you're marching back and forth in your kingdom. So go ahead and march back and forth. You're very upset. You're trying to figure out how to save him. But in the next verse, we see very clearly that it says, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel to throw him into the lion's den. Clearly the king couldn't save him. The king wrote it in the law. It was done. There is no going back. So there's only one thing to do. They sent the guards. So I need three people to play guards. You can go play a guard and you go play a guard. Go get Daniel. Go get him. Go get him. Go get him quickly. Go get him. He's gonna, he might fight you. I don't know. We got to see. He probably won't fight you. Just go get him. He grabbed him. They took him over to the lion's den, which we'll let this girl section here. It's very scary looking. We'll, play, we'll let you play the lion's den. So throw him into the lion's den. Daniel, just go in that little aisle and just kneel down. You'll be fine. Perfect. I was like that throwing motion. That was great. And this is what the king said to Daniel. May your God, whom you serve continuously, continually, rescue you. May your God, who you serve, continually rescue you. Man, what an exciting thing to say to someone. I mean, really, like, I'm being honest. If someone was to come to me during a very difficult time, and they, they didn't believe in God. I have neighbors where I live now. They don't, they don't know God. They don't believe in God. But man, over the next six to eight months, I wish I could live in such a way that they could see that I follow God. So that in a moment, in a moment of, of deep distress where someone's getting thrown into a lion's den, their comment could be to me, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. I would love it if people knew that about me. I would love it if I lived it so obedient, so openly, that people would know that I choose to serve God continually. This is what it says in the next verse. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment, being brought to him. And he could not sleep. So king, you cannot sleep. You are very upset. And and you're pacing back and forth. Pace back and forth. And at, first, uh, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. So run out to the lion's den, king. And he cried out in an anguished voice. You give it your best shot. He says, Daniel, Daniel servant, of the living God, servant of the living God, has your God, has your God whom you serve continually, Been able to rescue you from the lions. This is a king who does not believe in God. This is a king that does not go to church. They don't have a youth pastor. They don't have winter camps. This is a king that follows false pagan gods, but has seen something in Daniel that is special and unique. He's seen a level of obedience that he lives and he's unwilling to adapt to anyone else. This is what it says in the next verse. When King, uh, obviously Daniel lived, most of you guys know the story of Daniel, he came out of the lion's den, he was totally fine, and this is what the king decided to say. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and the people of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a new decree, it's a new decree, that in every part of the kingdom people must fear and and reverence the Lord, uh, the God of Daniel. I don't know why I'm reading the wrong words. Reverence the God of Daniel. And this is what he said. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. All right, all you guys go take a seat. I'm going to ask Jason to come up, because we're going to start worship in a second. This is what I want you to think of, though. Jason's not here. Cole, bring your band up here and start worship. I know his name's Alex. Jack, shh. This is what I want you guys to think about. Seriously, take a moment, take a moment. Don't look around. Don't look at your neighbor. Look at me. This is what I want you guys to think about. In this moment of obedience, where Daniel decided that he was going to choose God and be obedient to him versus adapting to the world, He led such a life, such an example to the people around him that when a time came for the king who did not know God to make a statement like this, to give praise to God for all he's done, for being able to do wonders and for having a a dominion that will never end and a kingdom that will not be destroyed. These are the words of a man that does not know God but knows him now for the very first time. I wish... My life of obedience could be such a demonstration to people to, who don't know God that when they see me living and they see me choosing obedience over adapting, that the only thing for them to do is to worship God like this and to recognize it's God like this and to, to, to give praise to God like this. This is what obedience does. Obedience gives us the window to God and his love for us. We're gonna do a worship song then I'm gonna come back up here with someone else and we're gonna talk for a couple more minutes. So just take a second, don't move around, don't stand up, just sit down, listen to the song, the words, and think about obedience in your own life.
1: This is what I'm glad to do. It's time to live a life of love that pleases you. I.
0: 50 split 50% of you maybe will sit there and say man I hear the truth of God's word and it makes total sense to me and maybe it's going to change the way I've been living my life or I'm going to live my life but maybe another 50% of you and I know those numbers I'm just making those up maybe half of you would say the Bible that's like so long ago like that, that's so long ago and, and it, I'm talking about real world stuff today give me real world examples today of obedience and how that can change my life well we're in luck there's a guy who used to be on staff here. His name's Drew. He is back in town from London where he's been serving at a church there for a while. And I wanted him to come up and share a little bit of his story of his time in London, a little bit of his story of, uh, well, I think you'll, you'll, get, the, you'll get the point. He has, we have some cool questions for him. He has some great answers. Drew? Hi, guys. Here he is
2: good to see you guys. you
0: look so good. You dress nicely. You look good,
2: man. Are you getting married soon or something?
0: I am getting married soon. (laughs) 20 days. I know, right? Let's
2: applaud for that. That's pretty amazing. I know, it
0: is really amazing. She's so beautiful. She brought me coffee today. Do you believe that?
2: I don't. I don't believe that. I wouldn't have done that.
0: And a sandwich, breakfast sandwich. That's precious. Trying to fatten me up.
2: Yeah, that's what it's for, man, marriage.
0: Already accomplished fattening me up. Here we go. Here's some questions that I have for you, Drew. These are these are important questions. All right, I'm ready. Now, okay? I'm ready. All right, the, here's a softball one. This is kind of easy. Okay, underhand. What are you up to right now? What are you doing right now?
2: I'm standing in front of a bunch of students talking in a microphone.
0: See, Next that, question. That is this really, is easy. That is easy. This is easy stuff. That, was, that was a softball one. This is easy. What made you move to London? What made you move to London? What gave you – What? why would you do it?
2: Why'd well, do it? I – I had gone out, and I visited London, and my mom's from there, and so it, it was always a place of interest for me, and so when I went out there, I went out there with a friend, and um, he had lived out there for a while, and it, it kind of planted the idea in my head, like, what would it be like to live in London? Like, could I do that? You know, is that something that God would want? And I just started praying about it, and I prayed about it for a year straight, really, um, and I, it just, I felt more and more like it was the right thing, and I just kind of, I, um, I started looking into different um, things that I could do out there. But at a certain point, I just decided, you know, this is what I feel like God wants me to do. And um, I'm going to just jump. And so I bought a plane ticket, and God took care of the rest after that. And, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, so I just tried to be obedient in that way.
0: So just to rehab, you left you left your family. Left my family. You left your friends. Left them. You left California, which you've lived here for a while, so you know all the restaurants My whole here. life. All right. I know you all the restaurants. left surf. So not a lot of waves there, probably.
2: I don't surf, and I miss it a lot, though. That's, I do.
0: Who doesn't miss watching people surf? Yeah. So, in obedience then, so now let's get this discussion of obedience going. Here's my first question. What has been difficult in choosing to be obedient, given where you are, what you're doing? And-
2: well, it was a lot of what you mentioned. I mean, it's, it's really hard to pick up your life that you're so comfortable with, and you're so used to everything, and you have all these relationships that you have in a certain place, and you get up and you go to, you know, a place where I I don't know anyone, really. I mean, I started completely over. I, you know, I didn't have very many relationships at all. Like a couple people I had met when I went and visited. But that was about it. And so um, it's very hard going somewhere and feeling, you know, alone in a sense. So that that's definitely been the hardest part, the relationships.
0: What's been, and talking about obedience, obedience is a difficult thing for for. I mean, me as a 27-year-old, it's difficult. I'm sure for junior high students, because it's not a word we talk about that often, when we think of obedience, usually we think of following rules, and usually rules we don't want to follow and difficulty. But given all the obedient things you've done, what do you think has been the best part of following an obedience?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, first thing, I I am not like the poster boy for obedience. I You know, it takes a decision every day when I wake up in the morning to be obedient, because I, I can go out there and, and still, you know, just not be obedient to God. But um, I'd say the best part is I'd really seen God work in me internally, which I was actually more surprised about. Because I think, I think about obedience and I think about, you know, God doing all these great things through me. And yes, God's been doing things through me. But I think the, the biggest blessing has been that with, when I am being obedient to God and when I'm seeking after him and being courageous in that way and having faith that um, he'll take care of me, I feel like my heart is being transformed. And I'm being transformed internally, and so I think that's been the biggest blessing about being obedient. Um, has just been that God has blessed me and changed me for the better, and I feel, you know, in my heart different. And so I feel transformed. And so I say that is the biggest part of obedience that I've realized has been such a great thing. So.
0: And lastly, what do you think? What would you say? If, if you were to say some things you are still praying for or waiting for or looking for God to do through your obedience in your time while you're in London, what are some things that, that you're waiting for, praying for, or looking for him to do?
2: Gosh, I mean, that's that was the hardest question. I was thinking about that one a lot. Um, I I really just feel like, you know, my time in London isn't over yet. You know, I have a good amount of time left. And I feel like I really, really want to lean into that obedience and I... and I, I'm so looking forward to seeing what God will continue to do in my heart. And I think through that, through that obedience and through him transforming me, I'll start to see a lot of fruit, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of things come out of that and a lot of God working a lot through me. And so I'm so looking forward to the, um, that side of obedience. I'm so looking forward to being able to see in, you know, eight months, in a year, how I've been transformed and how I'm different than when I started and how God has, God has changed me. And so I'm so excited, and I'm so looking forward to that.
0: Gosh, that's so great. You know, this is my this is my very last question. We have leaders in the back; they're gonna start handing out some cards to stu- to you guys, students. So when you get them, just hold on to them. I'm explain them, to them. This is just the really last question. Then we're done. Your obedience is the the vast majority of people would never know you're being obedient. That your obedience is something that you chose to do. You chose God. Most people looking at you, and or, or who do or do not know you wouldn't say, look at you and say, man, he's being obedient right now. So it's a very internal thing in some ways, your obedience. You're choosing to follow God. It's something that's, in some ways is between you and God alone. Knowing that it's something that's between you and God and maybe not something that everyone else sees, would you say that it's worth it to you? That it's still worth it even though maybe no one else will ever see or know how obedient you're really being?
2: Oh, I think God teaches that that's well worth it. You know, we look at, you know, the that God recognizes our heart. And I think, I think that's so important for, um, for all of us to do, to recognize that it's not about people seeing us be obedient, and it's not about people saying how obedient we are, you know, but it's really about our relationship with God and what, you know, how he sees our heart. And that's going to be the thing that ultimately matters in the end. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I would say that, you know, that's, that's more, more power to you. If you're able to be obedient without anyone recognizing, you know, your reward's going to be in heaven, and not here so totally agree yeah. Drew
0: thanks so much man give Drew a hand thanks so much brother thanks guys hey you have some cards with you hey uh, and leaders make sure the adults in the back get cards if you guys are going to stay you're going to play so make sure you guys all get cards in the back all you adults who stayed and crashed the party which I'm so happy about this is the challenge this is the question there are going to be things in your life just like Drew did the things that you're going to choose obedience in that's maybe it's just between you and God and every single one of us, if we're going to let it be between you and God and we are, that's why we gave you these cards, there's something that you can look at and say, I want to choose, I want to start 2013 choosing obedience in this area of my life. Now this is between you and God, It's not, no one else needs to know about this, so I want you to be able to feel free to be honest. You know, maybe it's uh, the way that you uh, honor God while you're at school. Maybe you're going to choose in 2013 to be obedient to reading the Bible every day, at least a chapter a day. Something small, but you're going to you're going to give it a shot. You're going to you're going to be obedient to praying to God for for requests for you and your friends and your family at least once a day. Just you've never done it before, but you're going to try it this year. Maybe you're going to decide that this year you're going to be obedient to God and not just the things that people see, but even the things people don't see. Uh, you know, how you live your life online and on Facebook and on Instagram and on, in blogs and what you write. And Maybe it's going to be how you talk to people. Maybe you want your obedience to God to shine through in how you talk to and about people this year. Take a second and fill that out. I'm going to let the band just play a little bit. I'm going to give you guys 60 seconds, a little less, to write those down. and I'll be right back. Like most things, well, there's always something that quickly can come to mind for what you want to write down. And I hope you've done that. If you've already written your thing down, put it in your Bible. Put it in your pocket right now, in your purse right now. Hide it away. No one else needs to see this between you and God. Share it with your parents later. I'm sure they'd love to hear about what you learned today at JHM. But after you're done having it in your pocket, And it's hidden away because you don't need it in your hand. I want you guys to stand up because we're going to worship God in an amazing way. Alex, take it away.
1: Everybody knows this. this one I'm gonna need your help. See, uh, Jesus, we're living for your name. This is what this song says. So I want you guys to get excited. And right now I'm seeing a lot of, uh, you know, it's early in the morning and I'm not excited. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of this. I don't want to see that. I need you guys to get energetic, okay? Hey, hey, hey! All right, so we're gonna put up our feast and we're going, we're fisting and we're going, take, take, take it all, take, take, take it all. Hey, l- let me see that. Ready, take, take, take it all, take, take, take it all. I need more, I need more, more energy. Take, take, take it all, take, take, take it all. All right, let's sing, You sent your son. Here we go. You sent your son from heaven to earth You delivered a soul that's eternally heard. I searched your truth and all of that was you